0: You know, honestly, I don't know how Pastor Steve and Pastor Jeff, Sunday after Sunday, have the energy to get up here and do what they do. Because I'll tell you what, at my previous church where I pastored in here, every time I get the opportunity to preach in the main service, I cannot sleep. I don't even know why I even try to close my eyes and go to bed. I don't know how they do it. It's not because, well, I guess some of it is anxiety, if I'm honest, but it's just crazy. So last night as I got the pleasure of staying up really late, (laughs) I spent a lot of time talking to God about today. And I was like, God, man, this is a huge deal to talk about the Bible and a deal and a battle to be in the Bible daily. And I was like, I don't even know how to start today. I don't even know what to do today, to be honest. I got my notes. I said, what do I do? And he was, I know what you're supposed to do. Share your heart. That's not what I'm going to do today. If you'd like to join me today, I'm going to share my heart. Why this is important to me. Why we do this, what the Bible calls us to. And what it looks like for you before you leave these doors. So let's pray. we do thank you for today. And thank you for this opportunity to be here. I know for a lot of us in this room, the Bible is so important to us. I know as a body, it's just one of the things we put first and foremost in our church. So God, help us to remember today why we do what we do. And encourage and challenge us to keep doing it. In your name, amen. This book means a lot to me. This book has guided me through a lot of moments in my life, good and bad and hard and easy. But there's a few moments I want to share with you before we dig completely in, why this is important to me. Ninth grade year, I got the opportunity to preach Youth Sunday as a student at my church I grew up in. Now the funny thing is that was the shortest used Sunday sermon I think ever recorded because it only took me five minutes. <clears throat> I literally looked at the clock, had my notes, I looked down, there I went and I looked up and I thought that was the best message anybody could have ever gave in their life. And I looked at the clock and everybody's looking at me smiling and five minutes went by and the lead pastor came up and kind of finished my message. Then I got to the age of 21, where the Bible really just rocked my world. I had flunked out of college and decided to go home, and I joined a ministry back home in my hometown to reach youth, where once a month we would hold it at a church and invite all the youth we could get into the building to come hear about the Lord. And in May of that year, the board that we had consisted of asked me to teach, in May and I thought they were crazy. And I had realized at that moment I had not yet arrived to be good enough to do that. And so that night I went home in my bed and I laid there freaking out and I opened my Bible to the book of James. Four times that night I read through the book of James. And after that fourth time I just started weeping And I crawled out of my bed and got on the side, and I got on my knees. And I realized when I was eight, I started a relationship with Jesus Christ. I had never made him the Lord of my life. And at age 21, after reading James, I said, God, it's time. I've been on an amazing journey since. And then I went off to a school called Oak Hills Christian College. I decided to go back to school. I, I realized it was important, I guess, in our culture to get your schooling done. And as I went and started there, I took a test on how much Bible I knew and how much theology I knew. And then you take it again your senior year to see how much you have gained in knowledge of the Bible and what you believe. And I can honestly say I did better Uh than I did when I started. The thing that convicted me and broke my heart and the thing that actually drives a lot I do with the youth ministry here at Cherry Hills is what my professor said after I got done taking it. She looked at me and she said, Lee, every year the incoming class does worse and worse on this test. They do not know what they believe and they do not know their Bible." Folks, I didn't come from a church that had a fantastic children's ministry. I was taught in the books of the Bible. But that was about it in the sense of doing it on your own. And that blew my mind because even though I didn't have that experience in church, I still knew the stories. I still knew what I believed. And I looked at her and I told her, never again will that happen in any group I'm a part of. Why? This book makes all the difference in the world. And that's why we at Cherry Hills hold it so highly. That's why we once a year do these Bible challenges. Not so much to tell you something new, but to remind you that we need to. Because if you're like me, I forget a lot of times. In two thousand thirteen, God has taken me on an amazing journey through the Bible. I, I, I don't know how many of you knew, but I was really sick for a couple of months at the beginning of the year with mono. It was really horrible and just gave me a lot of time. If you ever I always say sometimes that God allows you to be sick so you'll sit. You know. And I did, and I read my Bible and, and enjoyed it. One of the phrases you'll see here in your notes is this first one that is really one of the three that have really touched me this year. Jesus calls the disciples to follow him. Now, if you're like me, and if you've grown up in the church all, you're like, well, that's nothing new. That's that's something we've been taught every day of our life, to follow him. Well, yeah, there's a reason. Because he loves us. And he wants to spend time with us. And here's the truth. If we want to be like Him, if we want to show the world who He is, to follow Him means being in the Bible every day. It means spending time with Him every day. Now, if you're like me, I had a bunch of lies that popped up you know, I, I said in the last service, there's I, I have three groups of people that I always look at. I have the people that I call the faithful, the people that I don't even have to give this message to because every day of their whole life, they've been in the Word every day. And you know what? I am so thankful for you and your faithfulness, and I ask you to keep just being faithful and being that example. Then there's the group I fit in, the group that makes excuses for why I should not be in the Bible. My first excuse is the excuse of laziness. I like sleeping in. I do not want to get out of bed if I don't have to. I enjoyed yesterday. I didn't get out of bed till noon. <laughs> I'm still a teenager at heart. But the thing God's been convicting me on this year is every morning my wife gets up and gets ready for work, and at 7.30 she wakes me up to kiss me goodbye. You know, and the crazy thing is at 7.30 that should be my alarm clock to get up, but I always happily close my eyes. And God's really convicting me this year of following me means, Lee, get up and be with me. Because here's the reality, these next couple phrases under that. When Jesus calls his disciples to follow him, we see first this, they made him their priority. You get two views of the phrase, follow me. In one instance, you get the 12 disciples where Jesus walks up to the different individuals and sometimes in the gospel, we get it as a grouping statement where he says, hey, come follow me. And every single one of them, it's amazing, the word immediately pops out all the time. They immediately get up and go after him and follow him. They immediately go spend time with him. They immediately go spend the day with him. They immediately go just do what he does. And then there's the other side that we get the stories of the rich man and the man whose father had died. And they say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And he says, all right, come on. And he said, Well, i got to go do this first. And he goes, No, let, let that take care of itself. Come on. And they don't. Where do we fit into those? In 2014, are we going to be the type of church that's excited every day to immediately follow Jesus? Now, I'm not saying in the morning. I'm not a morning person. I'll never be a morning person. That's not a bad thing. Some of you morning people, that's good. You're weird, but that's good. (laughs) Some of you, it means immediately get up and go be with Him because you are a morning person. For us, it means I need to make sure that in my day I follow Him. Why? He has to be a follower of Christ. He has to be the first priority, and that means being in the Word. The other thing that I love about this, when you read the same "Follow me," is they daily watched and observed Him. They daily watched and observed Him. They saw Him heal. They saw Him get rid of demons. They saw Him sleep. They saw Him pray. They saw Him teach. They were with him throughout the whole entire day. And folks, how can we know if we aren't in? The other verse, and you'll see on your notes, that affected me this year was John 14, 6. If you wouldn't mind reading that with me. It says this, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me your notes, pretty simple today he is the way truth life and I added the word as we see that in John 1 1. he is the way, the truth the life and the word that's why we follow him that's why we spend the time in the Bible, now here's four other lies that our world likes to say we're going to counterbalance that today Number one, if he is not the way, there is no going. Number two, if he is not the truth, there is no knowing. Three, if he is not the life, there is no living. And four, if he is not the word, there is no growing. Now, I'd like to say I'm really awesome and thought of all those phrases. The first three were by an author I read. The fourth one was my wife, so you can thank her for the great message later. But think about this, folks. Robert Coleman, I think, says it well. If the disciples were to continue in his fellowship by the Spirit after he was gone from them in the flesh, they would have to abide in his word. They would have to remain. They'd have to continue. They'd have to stay. And His Word. Here's the argument: If He is not the way, what are we doing here? If He's not the truth, what are we doing here? If He's not the life, what are we doing here? If He's not the Word, what are we doing here? I don't look that good. I think so. Here's the thing: He shows us the way, folks. That's why we read the Bible. He shows us the way to forgiveness. He shows us the way to salvation. He shows us the way to grace. He shows us the way to mercy. He shows us the way to kindness. And I keep going and going and going. Here's the other thing. And we know these scripture verses if you're in the Bible. We know that he talks about being the next step, the lamb. And how can you get from here to there if you don't read, if you don't follow, if you don't spend time with him? Because he's looking at all of us saying, hey, I've got the steps. you got to spend time with me and know where to go. Here's the amazing thing, and it happened this morning that God taught me. When you read the Gospels, he also has another way to lead us. Not just daily, but when you read the stories of the Gospel the way they're written, they're leading us to something else. They're showing us the way to something, aren't they? They're showing us the way to the cross. If nothing else, we should want to be in the Bible because of what he did. And because of our gratitude, we should want to be spending time with him. Because of his love for us, we should be wanting to spend time with him. Sometimes I really wonder how much I really do love God on the days I don't get in the Bible. There's no knowing, you know, the truth. I love when we did the series on John. I was reading through and I circled every time when he said, I tell you the truth. You could do a whole series on that. Don't steal my ideas. (laughs) You could do a whole series on I tell you the truth and look at the phrase and learn from that alone. Why? Because he's the truth. I even love this idea of Peter, you know, he follows Jesus for all these years and he sees everything, right? He follows him. He does everything with him. He's with him physically daily. Jesus dies on the cross. And what does Peter do? He goes back to the boat. And I love this scene. I know I'm not exactly 100% right on the story. But here's a way to view it. I know the whole idea of the story is to go and call Peter back and test him. But here's the other thing I see. Jesus goes out to Peter and says, Hey, I wasn't lying. Come on back. I was telling the truth. Come be with me again. Come follow me again. There's no living. How can we know how to live without the Bible? We just did a series with the junior high called Gospel Dream. It was a kid talking about how he lived a good life. And that's all he needed. Well, how do you know what a good life is? How do we know how Christ wants us to live if we don't spend time with him? If we don't read? And this one, this one's my heart, folks. P is not the word, there is no growing. How can I be here as a Christian and get there as a Christian if I don't spend time with him? I cannot grow at all as much as I like to think it. I mean, I like to think the idea that I've already arrived because I'm a pastor. Or I've gone to Bible school. Or I've grown up in the church, so I don't need the Bible. Or I like to think the idea that Abraham, because he didn't have the book itself, because he was so faithful and righteous that I don't need to do the same. He was with God all the time physically. Physically. I cannot grow as a believer if I'm not in the Word as a believer. And then I came to this next thing in the Bible that I wonder where it's been my 32 years of life. It's First Samuel 10:6. Will you read this with me? The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy prof- prof- them, and you will be changed into a different person. This whole idea is based around Saul before David becoming king. He is being anointed. I don't want to focus on the prophecy or the power or whatever that. This is what I want to focus on. You will be changed into a different person. A couple months ago on a Wednesday, I was really struggling. I came into the office. I had some meetings and, and I had some studying to do. I don't know if you've ever had that darkness that kind of comes over you once in a while. And I did that day, and it was horrible. I couldn't do anything, and I was feeling miserable. You know, sometimes I think it's just because I didn't eat breakfast that day. So I went home and had lunch and thought I would fix it. And I realized that wasn't the case. And I'm like, God, what do I do? I don't know what to do. I, I can't go back to church like this. This is ridiculous. And instantly he's like, follow me. And so what I did is I have this spot now in Chatham that I like to go sit when it's nice out. And I grabbed my Bible. And I started reading that, and that's where this verse popped out. You'll be changed. And that's where that next note comes from as we read the Bible. Allow the Holy Spirit to change you. Allow the Holy Spirit to change you. I'll tell you what, folks. That day, when I was sitting there (coughs) in the Word, I'm not kidding you, it was just an amazing kind of weird day. Like, I started out in that dark realm, right? Then later, I got the Word, and it was like this protective thing was around me, like, nope, no one's messing with him now. He's with me.
1: And I kept reading.
0: And I literally read from 1 o'clock till 4.30 when I had to come back for junior high youth group. You want to know something interesting? I stopped reading because I had to be here, and all of a sudden within minutes, that darkness started coming around again. Being in the Word isn't just for us to gain knowledge. Being in the Word, folks, is for us to grow and let God protect us and let him change us. Question is, in 2014, will you allow that to happen? Will you allow Him to guide you? Will you allow Him to lead you? You know, when we look at this next area called making it personal, that's where it starts to change, if you allow it. The first thing we want to say here at Cherry Hills is this. We want everybody here, everybody here, to become a first-hander and self-feeder. Folks, we want you to do this yourself. We want you to be in the Word yourself. We want you to grow yourself. We love doing what we do. We love teaching you. We love encouraging you. We love challenging you. But I'll be honest. There's probably some people in this room that are like, I really don't need this right now. I need something else. That's why you spend time with God. Because He knows what you need. Now I would like to counterbalance and say He knows you need the Bible every day. But He knows what you need and that's why we want to encourage you to do it yourself. I'll tell you what, there is something extremely awesome and different when you're in there yourself doing it versus us up here telling you. There's something personal, something special about it when you do it on your own. The next thing we like to talk about here at Cherry Hills is this. Look to seek the whole counsel of God. Look to see the whole counsel of God. We try our best to pull from Old Testament, New Testament, or if we're studying one specific passage, we try to do our best to pull other verses so you see that it's not just one area God is talking about this specific thing. But folks, in the end, Sunday after Sunday, we still cannot give you the whole wisdom of God. It would take us forever unless you gave us all day. The reason we ask you to be first-handers, because then you get to on your own, seek it on your own, and get the bigger picture on your own. Here's the other thing: if you're like me, I've struggled sometimes where I love a book and I get stuck in a book, and I just want to keep reading from that book because it, it affected me in such a way. Here's the other reality too. That one book is not the whole counsel of God. It's a portion of the counsel of God. So the other argument I want to bring to the table is, please read your favorite book of the Bible all you want, but please expand. Tell you what, I know there's a lot of people that do not like the book of Leviticus. And I'm betting some of you in here cheat and skip it when you read your Bible plan. There is some good stuff in there. But if I don't take the time to notice it, I'm never going to grow. I'm never going to know. I'm never going to go the way I'm supposed to go. This third one has really struck me this year. Finding our style helps us focus on who we are. Finding our style helps us focus on who we are. Last January... I tried to read the Bible in 90 days. I made it to day 10. Go me. Years after years, I've tried to read the whole Bible in a year. I never do. it. You know why? I didn't look to my style. See, for some people in this room, to read the Bible in a whole year is awesome for you. You need that structure. You need that plan. I know that sounds weird for some people here to hear me saying, I don't need structure. But folks, some of us need that. What I have found for myself is, if you can see my Bible, and this isn't like a proud, oh, look at Holy Pastor Lee moment. This is just who I am. I love slowing down and marking this thing up. I love reminding things. You know what else? My grandfather handed me his Bible when he passed away. I learned from him. I hope someday with my notes I can pass it on to my grandkids if the Lord ever allows me to have that. So they can go, oh, truth. But that's my style. On the back of your notes, I gave a lot of examples of different styles that you can do this year. Why? Because we just want you to be in. We want you to be in it every day. Here's the first one. Read the Bible in a year. We have plans out at the ministry center if you don't have one of your own. Here's the other one. Somebody reminded me of this. I, You know, I should know this already, but technology-wise, I forgot. You can get apps. You can get a. Bible app that gives you a plan. Good tool. You could be at work and just be like, hey, i got to get a few minutes in. Mm-hmm. Some of you, we need to slow down and read the New Testament or Old Testament a the year and just really study that portion of the Bible. Some of us, we need to really stop and study just a book of the Bible. And I'm not saying just one book. I'm saying take a book and really study it, but then try a couple books Throughout the year, read a chapter a day. Here, here's the cool thing. If you read a chapter a day starting today, because you're going to, <clears throat> it's a Bible challenge. You're not going to wait till January 1st. Come on. If you read starting a day, the chapter of a Bible, in four years you'd be done. Now you're probably like, that is crazy long. Yeah. But guess what? Think of how much of the Bible you know and how well you know it. And then this one, I give this as a gift to our students. Read one verse a day. The 100 Bible verses are we should know. Some of us, we need just a verse to chew on. And he does that in his book. He gives you a verse and walks you through and explains and talks about it. It's such a good book. Or some of us, we need to have a devotional book. There are so many good ones out there for men and women. I mean, Pastor Steve's got one coming up, man. There you go. Listen through the audio Bible. And we'll give a warning for this I have a little mp3 with the Bible and I like listening to it when I mow Well one day I was mowing and I was all in the word right and all of a sudden a snake came across my foot and I didn't realize it was there because I was so in the Bible and all of a sudden I looked down and I screamed so loud and I took off You know what I needed that day? The verse to pop up and go, You have the power to stomp on his head. But it's also a good tool. I hate snakes. And then the fourth one staying accountable will keep us on pace. Staying accountable will keep us on pace. Folks, we're, we're learning that one big time in this youth ministry. We have really started trying to do that this year. And can I say something about our youth ministry? I want to give credit to where credit's due, and that's to the Lord. I know a lot of you have blessed me and encouraged me and been very good about that. I'll tell you what. Let's just be honest. This youth ministry, the only reason it is the way it is, is because the Lord. And you know who else? The students. You know why? Because all I've done is handed them this book and said if you're willing to buy in and believe it and live it and read it you will change. And our youth ministry is in an awesome way changing. Because these kids are buying in. Folks. You can buy in too. We'd love for you to buy in. We'd love for you. And here's a verse that I actually read just two days ago. That really came to me. And it's Luke 6.47. Right here at the bottom. Will you read it with me? I will show you what he is like. Who comes to me hears my words and puts them into practice. It's right after the statement that he goes, you call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I say. Well, how can we know what to do if we don't follow? How can we know what to do if we're not in the Word? How do we know the way? How do we know the truth? How do we know how to live if we're not in the Word? Folks, My prayer for this church, the whole church, is that this year each one of us will honestly take this step of being in the Word every day. Will you do it with me? Because I struggle. I need to do this too. Why? Because what he says right here in Luke 6, I will show you what he is like who comes to me, hears my words, and puts them into practice. What would we look like, Cherry Hills, in 2014 if each one of us individually took that serious, but as a church we took that serious? I don't think Springfield could hold us in. I don't think the power of the Lord could stay in this room if we took it that serious. I don't know if this world would know what to do with us if we saw Him every day. And let him show us and change us like the Holy Spirit says. I'll tell you a story. How the Holy Spirit has changed my heart this year. And you're going to laugh because I know the first phrase is going to sound funny. For the first time in my life, I learned how to really care for someone, I care for people. That's a given. But the first time in my life, I really learned how to care for people. Just a little while ago, some of my dearest friends had a thing where their child went through something. And I love them. And I love their kids. As they were going through this, I got to go to the hospital and visit and just check up on them and see how they're doing. My wife and I got to bless them with with, with a tool they need because she's in the medical field. And so I went home that day just my heart wrenching and praying. And that night we got a call from them that their child was doing worse again. Sorry, I get a little emotional. And we went over there right away. As we were over there, I just wanted to be there for them and part of how I was there for them was I got to hold their child for a while so they could do what they needed to do and my wife could do what she needed to do. I mean I don't know anything medically. And for the first time God showed me what it really meant to care. But folks, I wouldn't know how to care if I wasn't in here. Who are we going to be, Cherry Hills? Who are we going to be?